Welcome to the What's Literacy Got to Do With It podcast, a podcast for exploring all things literacy in Quebec and beyond. Literacy is more than knowing how to read and write. It's also about empowering each other and yourself to thrive throughout all aspects of our lives. We're your hosts, Jamie Cudmore and Chris Shee. Let's get to it. Welcome, everyone, to Season 10, Episode 1. Thank you for joining us today. You might notice that it's just me, Jamie, here without my co-host, Chris. That is because Chris is off on a new, exciting journey now. He's moved back to Australia with his family, and so we are wishing him all the best on today's episode. Also on today's episode, we will be talking about the upcoming election in Quebec which happens on October 3rd, Monday, October 3rd. That's coming up, so we're dropping this episode a couple days in advance so you can start thinking about going to the polls on Monday, making a plan for you to vote. As I mentioned, Chris has gone off on a new adventure, but we have some goodbyes. First, we have Margot Legault saying a little goodbye to Chris. Hi, Chris. It's Margot. I think you'll agree that as a team, we shared some great memories and we all learned a lot from each other. Know that you'll be deeply missed by everyone here at Literacy Quebec, but we're so excited for you and your family as you embark on this next chapter. No literacy pun intended. Sending you warm wishes and hoping that we can set up a virtual coffee time from one end of the world to the next sometime soon. All the best, take care, and know that we're thinking of you. Next up is Laura Thompson, our operations manager at Literacy Quebec, saying a nice goodbye to Chris as well. Hi, Chris. Laura here. I am so sad to see you go. Thank you so much for your tireless effort and your endless enthusiasm and always putting a smile on my face. Wishing you the best of luck in all your future endeavors and sending you so many hugs and high fives. And of course, I would like to say a goodbye to Chris. Thank you so much for being an amazing co-host for the last couple of years. It has been a journey for sure. We've learned a lot. We've learned how to podcast. We've learned how to have interviews. And you've always brought such joy. You always pushed us forward. And I'm so, so happy that we got to spend that time together. I can't wait to hear what's next for you and catch up. In the next episode, we will have a brief interview with our new host, Neve and Jeff, and you will get to know them a little bit more. We'll also talk a little bit about how the podcast will change. We're shifting to more frequent episodes that are a bit shorter, and that means that you'll get to hear us more often. It is the election coming up on Monday, October 3rd in Quebec. We've had a couple of episodes already in the past about civic literacy and elections. You can also check out our past episodes on media literacy. I think those pair well with our conversations about the election. Neve has her first debut here interview with uh, Sam Roosh from Apathy is Boring. Without further ado, here is the interview. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Sam Roosh uh, from Apathy is Boring, and we're going to have a chat about civic literacy. Hi, Sam. Hi, how are you? 
Very good. And thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast. It's great to have you here uh, to teach us a little bit more about civic literacy, apathy is boring, and the election process in general. Happy to be here. So last, last time you were with us, it was in the run-up to the federal election, and now it's a provincial election. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the differences between these types of elections and municipal as well. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of gaps, I think, in our education system and sort of more broadly in our cultural conversations around elect, um, elections, around which level of government is sort of responsible for which aspect of our lives. But there are actually quite big difference in terms of the priorities and the powers that each level of government holds. Um, so the Canadian Constitution actually lays out sort of a separation of powers between the federal um, and provincial powers. So I think a lot of us saw pretty directly during the pandemic how the federal government mostly took the lead on issues of our borders, issues of um, sort of broader foreign policy, um, and those kind of elements of pandemic support where we saw the provinces mostly focused on public health measures like you know, um, gathering sizes, um, putting limitations on interprovincial travel, um, and also thinking about things like what kinds of, um, you know, response they would have to within the healthcare system. So we see how these different aspects play out sort of on that one level, sorry, on that one issue, but that happens across different issues. So provinces hold a lot of the responsibility around education, as I mentioned, healthcare, um, and sort of policies, obviously, that affect the province directly, which might be, you know, business, that kind of thing. Um, and municipal from there kind of gets delegated out, actually, from the province. So a lot of cities are responsible for direct service uh, delivery. So when your garbage gets picked up, um, bike paths, um, sort of local infrastructure, zoning for building, housing, that kind of thing. Um, and then some things are just kind of a collaboration between the different levels, but they do all have sort of a unique role to play in our day-to-day, -day, you know, experience of our lives in Canada. Right. Those are great examples and very helpful um, to distinguish between the different roles of these different levels of government. And what about the elections themselves then? when people are looking at who they're voting for when it comes to those different types of elections? It's a good point to bring up because I think one of the points of confusion for a lot of people would be that the the provincial parties and the federal parties aren't necessarily linked. So sometimes they do have the same names, um, but they might have different different perspectives, different platforms. And again, they're going to be working on different priority issue areas depending on the powers that they hold at that level of government. So I think it's always a really good place to start to definitely do research to find out, not just um, rely on sort of the naming of the party to try and figure out where they might sit on an issue that matters to you. It's really important to actually go and look at what they're saying, because, you know, sometimes we might associate a certain federal party with certain policies, but the provincial party of the same name might have a completely different take on that issue. So uh, that would be one of the first places I would start is just to recognize that in an election between the provincial and federal governments, you're not voting for the same parties. They are distinct and they're registered distinctly um, within our system. I think that's very helpful because it can be quite confusing. And as an immigrant myself, uh, coming from a different system in my home country, I did find it quite confusing and still sometimes get confused myself. So I think that's really good advice to just go look at 
exactly who you're voting for and their party and not just make the assumption that these these parties are the same or have this take the same line on different issues. We reached out to you because you're with Apathy is Boring. Could you tell us a little bit more about your organization and what you guys do? Yeah, of course. Apathy is Boring has been around since 2004, so we just celebrated our 18th birthday. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. Um, and basically what we started out is, is a, as was a for youth, by youth, voter engagement campaign, specifically recognized that young people face distinct barriers to, to voter engagement particularly, but sort of more broadly towards, you know, access to decision-making roles and, and um, spaces within our democracy. So the organization started out quite grassroots. We did a, um, a digital campaign and we did some street team mobilization where we went out and actually spoke to young people. And at that time, that was kind of the first time anyone in Canada had ever really done something like that. So we got quite a bit of attention. And then from there, we sort of formed a year-round organization. And what we focus on, in addition to our electoral work, which we're still very passionate about, is sort of broadening a little bit how young people in Canada sort of understand our democracy and, and how we can participate in it. So we focus on elections, but we also have year-round programming that focuses on um, improving the skill sets and knowledge that young people have around community-based work and how they might change their circumstances, you know, within their neighborhood or around a certain issue that matters to them um, at, at sort of the local level. And then we also focus on, through our BUILD program, training youth in order to advocate within our institutions for issues or around issues that they care about. So how to sort of launch a campaign and um, and sort of push for meaningful change within that system. And then on an ongoing basis, we're always focused on just education. We do a lot of communications work. We're online. We're doing campaigns about how to better understand our electoral system or how to better, um, you know, engage sort of overall and trying to both inform and inspire young people uh, in Canada to take up more space and have their voice heard on whatever issue they might, you know, care about or want to see change. Um, that's great. And I'm so glad you brought it up because it was one of the things I was hoping we could talk about today, which is what Apathy is Boring does when it's not election time. So mm -hmm. education is obviously key. And what, how would you encourage people or even organizations to contribute to the mission of Apathy is Boring? Oh, that's such a great question. I think that, I think that we all have a role to play in encouraging the people around us to feel a sense of belonging and a sense of inclusion within our social systems as a whole, right? So whether that's your family, your friends, your neighbors, um, the people who live in your city, I think from my perspective, and I, I understand that I come from a very particular perspective, but I think that most aspects of our lives do have ties and links to our political systems and to our democracy. So I think this I always, I'm very fond of saying that the smallest unit of democracy is just a conversation between two people about the things that they care about, and I think that that's the best start always. It's what do you care about? You know, what what is it that we both care about? How can we make this better? What are the changes that we'd like to see? And so I think that aspects of our democracy run into any issue area. There's no way to make change around something like climate change, for example, without understanding where power lies within our within our communities, within our country, within our provinces, you know, and, and understanding how something like a vote 
is important because it's not just about, you know, and I know it's, it's sometimes it's like, oh man, you know, my writing has been with X party for 25 years and uh, my vote's not going to make a difference. But in actual fact, even if you can't have an impact on the outcome in your specific writing, you are still demonstrating that someone of your demographic group, so of your community, of your gender, of your, you know, sexual orientation, race, ethnicity, age, you're still demonstrating that you're paying attention. And over time, if we see more voter turnout along these different lines, the political parties are paying attention. They don't pay that much attention to young people typically because young people turn out less reliably. And so in a campaign environment, they're focused on communicating to and addressing the challenges and uh, priorities of groups that they know will turn out because it is a game. It's a resource game campaigns. So understanding that showing that you care, that's one way that you can just demonstrate easily that you care. And then from there, um, kind of building power and, and, and moving forward on these issues is, is important. And I think that we all have a role to play and, and our democracy does take an element of stewardship and of care. And if we, remove ourselves from that system, you know, we risk losing elements of it or, or having it degrade or have power be sort of relegated, I guess, to, to certain mm. groups and not others. Right. And it's about that participation then and interaction mm. so that you're not um, passive, I suppose, that you, you were making your voice heard. Exactly. And what advice would you have for those who are ineligible to vote? Because there's a large population out there that are um, ineligible. Uh, myself, for example, as well. I'm, I haven't become a citizen yet, uh, so I'm not eligible to vote. And that's the situation for many people out there. How would you encourage them to still participate in the conversation or even care about the conversation? Well, unfortunately, in this country, we do limit um, voting to people who are citizens at all levels. So what about, you know, municipal, as some places allow for uh, permanent residents, for example, or residents of a city to vote in a municipal election, but we don't, we don't have that here. So you are quite removed from the electoral process if you're not um, a citizen. And um, it is really challenging. Like I said, there are different ways to make change within our democracy. So focusing on if there's an issue that you care about the levers of power that you might have access to, which might mean going to a city council meeting or organizing with your friends um, around a certain policy priority or, or, you know, some people participate in things like mutual aid networks or do local frontline work. All of these, all of these things participate in our democracy, even if we don't always consider them sort of the more formal quote unquote ways to participate. So growing up, my mom actually only became a Canadian citizen a couple of years ago. So I, I, growing up with a parent who couldn't vote was always really funny because come election time, she just spent all of her time advocating for who she wanted us to vote for. Right, that's great. And then, and then would kind of like remind us to show up because she, she really, uh, you know, felt that, um, <laughs> she felt really strongly about Canadian politics, but had no voice in that process. So, um, so, so you could also encourage your friends and family to, to show up and, and talk to them about the issues you care about too. Uh, not that I would advocate trying to, um, you know, force someone to vote for someone they don't want to. That's not necessarily course, the right way. But, but you know, there's lots of different ways. And, and like I said, just having conversations around the things that you care about with the people around you can increase your sense of belonging, your sense of inclusion, and also just make you feel more connected to our political systems and sort of the things that are going around on around us. Right. Your society, your your own community. 
it's interesting that you've ended up in the role you have, uh, having grown up with your mum. The apple, <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And it's the same for me, actually. My mum is a literacy tutor. And here I am across the ocean working uh, at Literacy Quebec. So it's funny how these things happen. So funny. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. But you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. We did have a lot of conversations about voting um, and sort of electoral participation growing up, specifically because my mom couldn't participate. Right. So that shows you the power then that you have as a member of your community, of your society, that your voice is relevant and can influence people in ways you can't even imagine. And your, your daughter could go on to end up being an executive director for an organization that encourages youth to participate. Um, I mean, I think that's wonderful and such a good example. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. That's great advice for, for everyone. Um, it's sort of relevant across the board. Bringing things back now to the actual upcoming election, I just wonder, would you have any specific advice for first-time voters? Uh, considering you, Apathy is Boring is a, a youth-led and youth-focused organization, there might be of some youths out there, or not, just people who are registered for the first time, who are voting for the first time, or perhaps it's even just been a very long time since someone has voted. Absolutely. So I think the the first thing that I, I like to say to first time voters is just like, it's okay. It's super simple, really easy. It takes a couple minutes for the most part, unless there's some kind of exceptional scenario. And like, it's fast. There's nothing to be intimidated about by the process. I think sometimes people think it's like, especially I think we're so inundated with American media that we often see these like eight hour lineups and like all this. You know, it's like, it's not like that. You can show up on election day. And for the most part, um, they've done studies for around an average of seven minutes from start to finish to vote. So um, we're very fortunate to live here for that. One thing I will say is that it can be a bit confusing sometimes if you voted in the last federal election. In federal elections, you can actually register on voting day uh, or sorry, on on election day. You can't actually do that in the Quebec election. So it's really important to know that if you're not if you didn't get something in the mail that had your name and address on it, so you should have gotten, I think by now, like two of them. So they call them voter information cards. Mm -hmm. If you haven't received that, you do, the deadline actually is today. So it's the 29th of September to go in person and register. So if you're not registered, unfortunately, you won't be able to vote on October 3rd. So I would just make sure there's a way to check on the Elections Canada website if you're registered or where you're registered. Um, so if you've moved recently, Luckily in Quebec, they do um, share share information, I think, with Revenue Quebec. So for the most part, most people should be updated, but you never know. And speaking of differences in experience um, of voting, are there going to be images uh, for this election when people are voting, or it, will it just be names? Do you oh, know? interesting. On, on the ballot itself. Yes, exactly. Mm, I'm not actually sure. I, I don't think in the last one there was like are you talking about the icons of the actual party i'm actually referring back to the last podcast which uh, was in 2019 i believe mm -hmm. where jamie mentioned there was not going to be images of the actual uh, candidate so that if anyone had difficulty with with the print that it would be a good idea to familiarize themselves with the spelling of the candidate's name that they want to vote for in advance but i mean that's yeah. good advice anyway i feel yeah, I think it, I think familiarizing yourself with the name and also the party name of the person in mm -hmm. advance 
Um, but also I think it's really important to know that most, if not all polling stations should have accessibility measures in place. So if you do have, you know, um, visual impairment or, or you have trouble in, in some other way with the paper ballots and the printing and the, all of that, like you can ask the person when you walk in what kind of, um, resources they might have available to you. Uh, in order to support your ability to vote. I know the electoral management bodies in Canada are very committed to uh, ensuring accessibility across a bunch of different, um, you know, needs and, and lines. And so that might be something to do first off is just walk in and speak to someone about what your options are or go on the Elections Quebec website and actually just look. They may have a page, I'm sure they do, with all of their accessibility options. They do. Um, and that's something we've shared recently through Literacy Quebec as network is the Elections Quebec have a resource specifically for people who might have difficulty with reading or smaller print and it describes yeah. the whole process. So yeah. um, it's a really great resource. And speaking of resources... Apathy is Boring obviously has plenty, so we'll be sharing a link to uh, your website in the, the blurb for this episode. And is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up, Sam? That's a good question. I think I think I just encourage everyone listening to, um, you know, we need, we need a diversity of perspectives and backgrounds and histories and lived experience to participate in our electoral process, but also in our democracy kind of writ large. So... Um, I just encourage folks to speak to the people around them, talk about the election, talk about the things you care about, you know, and, and make the best choice for you and and then continue to engage after the election because it's not just about the vote, but it's really about how we hold the government to account sort of after the fact and the, and the types of policies and, uh, you know, legislation that they, they put out. So that would be my piece of advice, that it's not all about the election, that there's a lot we can do after and in between that matters as well. Absolutely. And that's really great. I think participation is kind of a key, a key word here um, mm-hmm. in relation to what we're talking about. So thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate you being here and we will hopefully have you on again. Uh, no doubt uh, we've created a nice little connection here between Literacy Quebec and Apathy is Boring. So thank you to you and your organization. Thank you. And thank you for making space to talk about the election. I appreciate it. So that was a great episode. We want to thank our guest, Sam Roosh. We want to thank Nee for her debut interview. And we also want to remind folks out there that if they need help with the elections or they're not sure about something or they just need support with any reading, writing, or digital literacy skills or tasks, you can call the Literacy Helpline. It is a free service that provides information and support. And as I said, it's for tasks that require reading, writing, digital literacy skills. If you have a document that you need help with, you can give them a call. And their phone number is 1-888-521-8181 for assistance. And there's some lovely volunteers on the other end of the line to help out. As always, check out our social media platforms and our website to find out more information about upcoming literacy events and resources and news. Any of the links that we've talked about in the episodes you can find in our show notes. You can also find them on our social medias. So that is it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us again on another episode of What's Literacy Got to Do With It? 
stay tuned for more changes to come for the podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to speak to you next time to introduce our new hosts. So look out in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, subscribe, share our podcast, write to us at admin at literacyquebec.org. Send us a voicemail at 514-508-6805. You can also catch us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Literacy Quebec. And of course, thank you again to my co-host, Krishi. All the best. We miss you already, but can't wait to see your smiling face again over Zoom. Have a great day, everyone, and talk to you soon.